and welcome to Improv Interviews with Margot Escott. I am a psychotherapist and improvisational theater teacher in Naples, Florida, and this podcast is about interesting improvisers and therapists who are using improvisational theater to help others. Today's guest is a wonderful person named Sean Mulliville. He has already done a wonderful film called Living Luminaries, including such guests as Eckhart Tolle and Marianne Williamson. We'll be speaking today about that project and his new project, Act Social, that he's working on with Colin McRae from Whose Line Is It Anyway? This exciting new film is going to be looking at how improvisational theater can help with conflict resolution. There are many wonderful improvisers and therapists who are participating in this project and I know you're going to want to go to his Kickstarter campaign and help fund this incredibly wonderful project. Well, hello, Sean. How are you today? Hi. I'm doing well, Margo. Thanks for inviting me to do your podcast. I'm excited to be here. Well, I am thrilled to be talking to you today. You're a man of many talents, actor, clown, mime, improviser, filmmaker, actor. And I'd like to start right in with your film in 2007, Living Luminaries. Can you tell me a little bit about that project and some of the luminaries you spoke to? <laughs> sure. Yeah, Living Luminaries is a documentary that um, basically tries to tell you the meaning of life. Um, but really, we focused on the subtitle is The Serious Business of Happiness. So we're focusing on happiness, what people do to try to be happy, and some strategies that maybe would work better than some of the ones that uh, we typically try. Um, so we had um, some great teachers like Eckhart Tolle, who wrote The Power of Now, and Marianne Williamson, who's running for president now, um, uh, Michael Beckwith of uh, Agape International Spiritual Center, and... Um, the list goes on and on. We have Don Miguel Ruiz, who's one of my favorite authors who wrote The Four Agreements. Right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was a it was like a trip down, um, you know, shopping in the spiritual department store, looking for different ways that people deal with life. Yeah. Well, how did you get involved in this? Because you were 23 when it started. I was. Yeah. Well, I just um, it's kind of a funny story, but I. I had graduated from um, University of Southern California with a degree in acting. And um, USC has a good acting school, but it's also known for its film school. And I think in my junior year of um, college, I took just as an elective, just because I needed to fill some credits, some screenwriting courses. And um, basically what happened was my teacher was very complimentary. And um, he went so far as that, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'll never know for sure, but I think he stole a, a small scene of mine and put it in the Daredevil movie that he was a co-writer on. But um, anyway, but it was such a minor thing. But anyway, um, so anyway, he was so complimentary and I saw that and I was like, you know what? I think maybe I should do a little bit of writing. And so I did. And um, one of my plays got produced um, there at USC. And then when I graduated, I got a job as a director's writer's assistant on an independent film and they had a development budget of three hundred thousand dollars and um they basically were had wanted to raise ten million dollars to make this movie um and they spent the three hundred thousand dollars in less than a year never even finished the script 
And that was it. They never raised the money. They never made the movie. And I was so mad that I was out of a job. And I was like, I was like, I could have made a whole movie for $300,000. That's ridiculous. So um, I just started writing. And um, what I, I said, you know, well, I want to do something I'm passionate about. And I think, you know, I'd like to make a documentary about this, this power of now stuff because I'm like really into it. And so I started writing letters and um, making phone calls to people who I thought might be good for the movie. And I didn't hear anything back for like, oh, three, four months. And I was literally on the verge of giving up on it. I was like, oh, I guess, you know, too busy or people don't care. And then all of a sudden, it just like as a the first person who actually called me was Tammy Simon of Sounds True Audio, who published a bunch of interview, interviews with Eckhart Tolle um, back in oh, 2000 or so. And um, yeah, she was like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll do an interview for your movie. And then um, I was riding my bike uh, home from the restaurant I started working at. Uh, and uh, I got a phone call. And I don't know why I picked up the phone while I was riding my bike. That's probably bad. But it was Jeff Goldblum who I had written to. Like, I almost fell off my bike. I had to like fall over. Like, yeah. So just all these people started responding to the project, like kind of in a quick succession. And um, I had a friend who was a talented editor named Travis Flournoy, um, who went to the film school at USC. And he edited an awesome trailer for me that I, um, you know, we designed it together and uh, we had a really good time making it. And um, we just showed it to some some screenwriters and producers and people that uh, I had met through um, Monster.com. I actually put an ad up there looking for a producer. And a few people were mad at me because they thought it was like, if it's on monster.com, it must be paid already. You know, and I was basically putting up there like, I need a producer. Oh, and I need you to get us some money too. And um, so some guy, you know, I got cussed out on the phone by one guy. Um, but eventually I did find a screenwriter producer, a Canadian guy by the name of Larry Konarski, um, who had a ton of, you know, had done a bunch of documentaries and he was a really interesting guy. He used to play in a, uh, 70s rock band. He's from Winnipeg, and they're um, the band, the Guess Who, is from there. Right. Um, Winnipeg. They're a really thriving rock scene. So he had been on a you know a similar type of classic rock band. And he played p piano for them and toured. And then when he was done doing that, he started making documentary films. And some of the stuff was funded by the Canadian Film Board. Very talented guy. Um, and he agreed to sort of write the movie with me, but he made me pay him a hundred dollars every time we would get together. And um, I was like, oh, you know, whatever. Uh, hopefully I'll, I'll make it happen. Because I, I had basically I amassed all these credit cards and uh, was just maxing them out like to try to get this movie going. And um, anyway, just when the last credit card was totally maxed out and I was like basically going to be like, uh, am I what am I going to do <laughs> for money? Um, his producer friend, a guy by the name of Michael Lasky, called me and says, all right, I think I can get your movie off the ground. Um, you guys got to go to December and shoot with Eckhart Tolle in, um, in Vancouver in December. And it was like November. And they just wired some money into my account and sent me a contract. And I was like Wayne's World, you know, like Wayne and Garth. <laughs> I was like, I got $5,000. You know, like I was doing that dance. And uh, yeah, and then we, um, we went to Vancouver and shot with Eckhart. And then all these other teachers, because he was in it, they wanted to do the movie. Um, and yeah, it was, it just kind of went from there. 
That is a great story. That is wonderful. And it's a fantastic, and we're going to have a link to it on the uh, website where we talk about your work. Just a great story and uh, amazing, beautiful, how when you're really committed to something, like maxing out your credit cards and all of that, that if you just stay on something and you have a vision, you can make anything can happen. It's so true, I, I believe. So you're in a good example of that. So let's <laughs> talk about Act Social and the newest projects you're working on. Okay. Yeah. Act Social. That's um, that's a documentary film we're making now that uh, stars Colin Mockery of Whose Line Is It Anyway? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've heard of him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, it turns out that same kind of thing with this project. I mean, I initiated it in a similar way. I said, you know, I'm loving improv right now and um, I'm just really passionate about it. And I think that if more people tried it, it just seems like a very niche thing. And I did a little research and it was like, we went in Times Square and asked people, what is improv? And seven out of 20 people didn't know what improv was at all. Like either didn't know what the word meant or was like, I I've heard that before, but I'm not sure what it is. And then the other people, they kind of did know, you know, the, the Webster's Dictionary definition of improv, like, you know, make up something off the top of your head. You know, like they, everyone kind of, the other people kind of knew that definition. But then the next question was, well, how do you do improv or what are the rules of improv? And they said, oh, there are no rules. You just do whatever you want. There's no rules. And, and then the, the questions that went further down off that, I realized like, wow, just the general smattering, a cross-section of the population has no idea what improv is or how you do it. And, um, and had, so, wow. you, had been, you had been studying that long. You became bit by the bug very quickly. Is that correct? Yes. Well, I had been devising theater uh, well for most of my career. And so the way that you write theater as an actor is you just get up and do it. You know, like, oh, we have a scenario. We do it. So it's more like sketch. Right. Um, so I had been in Italy um, doing a, a master's program there and doing a lot of devising. And I asked a friend from London who had been taking improv in his drama course. I said, well, how do you do, like, how do you come up with the scenes in improv uh, differently than how we would do it in sketch? And he was like, I'm not really sure. It's like, I took improv and I was like, what do you mean you don't know? I mean, like, what are the rules? How do you do it? And he's like, he's like, well, you know, you gotta just kind of listen to the other people and build on them. I was like, okay. I was like, but how do you figure it out? And he's like, I'm not really sure. And so and I was like, man, well, that doesn't help. And he's taking improv. So when I moved to New York in 2017, I enrolled at UCB, which is, um, you know, a very big improv school that uh, Matt Poehler, or no, sorry, Amy Poehler and Matt Besser started, sorry, across them, um, and with a few other guys, um, Matt Walsh. And um, they basically wrote this book called the UCB Manual. And um, the first, you know, the first section is about yes and, and the next section is about if then. And there are basically two. So if you want to do improv comedy, those are the two things that you need to know. And I just read the book, like before I even, I roll enrolled in the class. I bought the book before I had even arrived at class. I'd read the whole textbook. So I, I really understood because I've, I've acted in hundreds of productions. Like I already got it. You know what I mean? So like I went through the UCB and took classes and I was like, whoa, so this is, this is how you do it. But yes. And as a principal, is the reason why we have so many problems in the world because people don't use yes and 
when they're brainstorming and um, or when they're debating an issue. Because yes and is to separate, and I'm really taking this from one of our stars of the movie, which was, who's called Bob Colhan. Um, he wrote a book called uh, Getting to Yes And, The Art of Business Improv. And he says in his book that you need to separate divergent thinking from convergent thinking. And um, the, the first thing you want to do is the yes and thinking, which is, okay, we throw out all the ideas and we write them on the whiteboard and we don't say any of them are bad or good. We just throw all the ideas out there. Okay. Then later on, we'll decide, okay, this idea is bad. We're not going to use that. This idea is good. Let's go with that. But the reason why we have so many problems in the world is, you know, Johnny says, I think there are too many immigrants coming into our country. And someone says, that's horrible. You're a racist. You're a bad person. He said, wait, all he said was he thinks there are too many immigrants. Well, let's explore. Why does he think that? And so, you know, and on the same side, it's like, you know, I think we need to raise taxes on rich people. No, you, you liberal, you, yeah. well, wait, but why do they think that? What is, you know, so the reason why we're not getting anywhere overall is because everyone's just shouting down their alleged opponent before they even know if they're an opponent or not. You know, you need to learn a little bit about what's going on and see a bigger picture. And so that's what yes and thinking does. And that's why it's so transformational. And that's why I wanted to make a movie about it. And luckily, Colin Mockery uh, feels the same way through his own personal experience, which I found out. That is just beautiful. And I know I met you actually through my colleague, Dan Weiner, who wrote Rehearsals for Growth. And he's part of the film as well, I understand. Yes. Um, Dan is just an amazing teacher and mentor. Um, he has... Um, just kind of opened up the the connection um, to drama therapy for me as well, because drama therapy um, encompasses applied improv. Um, so applied improv would be a, a, a type of drama therapy, essentially. Um, but there are so many other ways, like rehearsals for growth is a specific modality that a psychologist uses in, in either couples, family, or group therapy to um, play improv games with the, with the people who are in a therapy session to essentially help them heal. And he's been doing it since like the mid 1980s. And um, this is really amazing stuff. Um, and he's his a book pioneer. Is incredible. I'm sorry. Yeah, he's a pioneer. He's definitely yeah, he's a pioneer. pioneer. He's, I've yeah. been a student of his as well. And uh, he's just a tremendous fellow and a very spiritual, giving, loving man. Yes, I agree with all that. And uh you know, I'm very excited, and I know that you're coming, too, to Dan's uh, Rehearsals for Growth workshop at the end of June, and um, I'm just, I'm very excited to, to get to experience the work firsthand. So the idea behind the film is using improv for conflict resolution. Can I sum it up like that? And mm -hmm. You sure can. Okay. Yeah. Because I think that, you know, yes, and I, I always, I, I don't teach rules anymore because I'm a teacher. I just say, have a few suggestions about like yes, and, and yes, and is also acceptance, accepting other people's point of view. Like if we have different point of views, we're going to have a conflict. And in an improv show, that might be acceptable. But in terms of real life, if we can accept the other person's point of view and agree with it and ask for more, more detail, 
or add more detail. Like, uh, okay, I'm hearing what you're saying, but I don't quite understand what you mean by that. Yes, yes, digging, digging deeper. Um, and I think we, we should definitely bring up um, Barbara Tint, who is the um, president of the Applied Improvisation Network. And most of her applied improv work is in the conflict resolution area. And that's what she teaches at Portland State University. And she's in the film as well. And, um, you know, I was just reading something that she wrote yesterday that um, 80 to 90 percent of conflicts are, are related to culture or identity. And so, you know, if I believe, you know, if I believe very strongly in something, um, you know, like uh, reproductive rights or a very identity type issue. I'm a Christian, so I believe that you shouldn't, you know, have an abortion. Well, that's tied to someone's identity. And so it it's hard. You can't just wrestle away rationally. Well, you know, uh, it's her right to choose. Well, they, they you can't hear that because you want to say, well, I'm a liberal. I stand for freedom. I stand for a woman's right to choose. And that's who I am. And so you have these these two identities going at it as opposed to making us it has nothing to do with the solution to the issue. It's just like, I'm this, you're that. I'm So if you can get people to just say like, okay, let's put the identities over here and let's talk about the issue itself because obviously there's a, you know, 50% of people feel this way, 50% of people feel the other way, but there's a hundred percent of people that have to live with whatever we decide. Right. So we just have to come up with solutions that work for everybody. And there are those solutions if we, can yes and until we get to one. Absolutely. Now, some of the other things going on with this project, can you share a little bit about that? I think it's a, is it a GoFundMe? Uh, oh, it's a Kickstarter. Kickstarter, sorry. Yeah. And Kickstarter has been really kind to us. Um, they, the comedy and podcast editor of Kickstarter named Taylor Moore, he uh, flagged our project as a project that they love. Um, and he is, he has taken UCB classes and, uh, just really passionate about the transformational abilities of people who yes and, and, um, he was super excited about it and invited me to the Kickstarter offices for a meeting last week. And, um, yeah, uh, it's Kickstarter has been a great platform for, for creative projects. It's an all or nothing campaign. Um, so that just means if we don't reach the goal that we've set, which is $5,000, um, then we're not going to get any of the funds that we've raised, the pledges. So we have to, we have to hit that mark. Okay. And how are you doing right now? It's just well, basically... the, the Kickstarter launches May 14th. Okay. So, um, you'll be able to, people will be able to start donating then. Um, and so what we've got, um, is some amazing prizes, um, rewards, as they're called on Kickstarter. And um, I asked, I asked um, Taylor from Kickstarter, I said, you know, I've noticed there's campaigns there that have like three or 400% of their goal funded. I said, well, why is it that after they reach 100% that people keep donating or backing it? And he says, well, it's the rewards. He's like, you know, it doesn't matter what your goal is. He's like, as long as you have good rewards, you're going to raise as many people as want those rewards. And he made a good point. So We've really um, tried to make some awesome rewards for everybody. So I, I have a few highlights here. Um, one of the ones I'm most excited about is at the $50 level, 
um, Andy Enninger, um, who's a teacher at Second City, and he's the inventor of the Sybil, which is a solo improv form, which is essentially a, a solo herald. Um, and he is just an incredible solo performer. And he can do these, these solo shows up to an hour just based off of one, one monologue he'll do at the beginning of the show and then just go. And um, he's agreed to do an online solo improv training. Um, and so he'll, he'll, he's going to make a couple videos that will get you, you know, off and running in the solo improv world with exercises that you can do at home, you know, by yourself. It's better, I think, to do it with a friend. I've been working on solo improv now. And I'm telling you, when you do it by yourself, you think you're going crazy. But at least if you have a friend there watching you, you know that, no, I'm not crazy. We're practicing. <laughs> Yeah, at the end of her, yeah, <laughs> my friend, uh, we were laughing pretty hard at each other at rehearsal on Wednesday night because we were trying these solo exercises. Oh, the uh, prizes or rewards are fantastic that you've got on there. So many great people offering great services and coaching. And Yes, we've got coaching from um, Dr. Daniel Weiner. We've got coaching from Barbara Tint. We've got um, coaching. We've also got a one-on-one -on -one coaching with Andy Enninger from Second City. And we've got a sketch writing um, coaching session from Ann Beats, who's won two Emmys for Saturday Night Live. And um, I was amazed that she offered us that. And then um, Brad Fortier, um, who's an amazing, amazing improviser and the founder of Spontaneous Village, has offered a two-hour coaching session. Um, so we've got so many things. Um, one, Barbara Tint has also offered a group, a four-hour seminar for your group. So if you have an organization that, that maybe is in conflict or you're looking to um, work with her specialty, Barbara will work with your group in person um, for four hours is one of the other rewards. So we've got a lot of fun stuff on there. It's great. It's tremendous. And it's, so, it's such a brilliant idea. The time is now. The time is now for this idea, I think, Sean. It's just beautiful. And um, so you have some events going on as well. And uh, what else are you doing uh, in terms of the movie? Anything? Well, upcoming, actually tonight, um, Bob Colhan and um, Gary Rudoran, who are um, Annoyance Theater members and Second City alums um, who live out here in New York, um, are performing at a film festival called the Montclair Film Festival, and they're performing the movie form, which is an improvised movie um, with their improv team. And um, I'm gonna be going, because they're subjects in the movie, I'm gonna be going to film them performing tonight. So I'll get to see their show. And, and um, the film is run by Stephen Colbert, so I'm crossing my fingers that he will be there and answer my five questions that I ask everybody about improv. And I'm crossing my fingers too that that happens. And do you want to share the five questions, or maybe make that for a subsequent interview once once you get the project <laughs> rolling? What do you think? Well, I'll tell you. What, I'll tell you. The first one is um, what is improv, and um, and I asked the person to say improv is dot 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 five times. And I've actually put a post up on Applied Improvisation Network asking for other teachers to do that, and we'll put the the most interesting ones in the movie. Um, because it's a lot of different things. You know, one person thinks it's five very different things sometimes. You know, improv is danger. Improv is safety. Okay, you know, someone will say the same thing. And if you if you dig into it more, you'll see that they're really both true. 
And, so, and it's good when we're, we're dealing with conflict resolution because um, a lot of times people believe that their views will never mesh with their opponent's views. And it's really just not true. It's just like, I mean, I'm, a big, I'm actually a big fan of um, astronomy and, and also quantum physics um, as, a, as a layman. I don't, I don't understand the uh, mathematics or the equations, but. Um, well, Jeff Goldblum and, explained that to you, right? <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, Jurassic Park uh, chaos theory, but um, the Stephen Hawking wrote a great book called *A Brief History of Time*, and in that book, he doesn't put any equations except for E equals m c squared in there. And basically, the the conclusions that he sort of arrived at is the question: Well, is time finite or is time infinite? And basically, he said, well, it seems like all the indicators point to both. Time is both finite, the universe had a beginning and an end, and then also the universe didn't begin or end. And in the way that's expressed in mathematics is, in mathematics there are real numbers, in, real integers, and then there are imaginary numbers. And all mathematicians use imaginary numbers when they're dealing with higher math. Um, and so you're almost seeing that like everything in our world is pointing to two simultaneously completely true realities. And I mean, when you look at also a religion like Christianity, they're saying the same thing. Like in Catholicism, Catholics believe that Jesus is 100% man and 100% God, okay? So you can have dual things that seem to conflict that are paradoxically both true. And un unfortunately, um, it's not in the mass consciousness that that is how we're going to solve problems. Oh, someone's trying to get a hold of me. Um, so yeah, so that's the way, that's why I'm excited about using yes and, because it separates the that's wrong, that's right from this is what is, this is what situation is, and there's nothing we can change about this. We just have to find a way forward from here. And I think the idea that there's no mistakes and there's no failure, we learn from our failures, our best shows might be, our best work might be considered a failure, but we don't see it that way. We accept whatever we do. That's back to yes and acceptance. And uh, I think that philosophy is wonderful too and could be used, you know, that if each meeting we have, there may not be a resolution, but we may get closer to the solution so there's no failure. Um, in the world of addiction, when people do an intervention, which I'm sure you've seen on TV and movies and everything, that even if the person doesn't go to treatment or whatever they need to be doing, it's still considered a success because a group of people got together, got a message across to somebody who wasn't hearing um, it before. Yeah. Well, it makes me, what you said makes me think of the growth mindset um, book, um, which is basically, do you take your failures and learn from them? Or do you say, oh, I need to hide this failure because I'm a, I'm a successful person. So it's like, do you have a fixed mindset? I'm, a, I'm really good at math. So then when you reach a point in math where you don't know what you're doing, you say, oh, I need to quit math because otherwise it you know, messes up my narrative if I'm failing at it. You know, so there's something that you said, like, it's just, we're always growing. It's an unfolding, it's a process. So it's like, even though this person's not going to treatment today, they heard the message for the very first time from the group and the gravity of the situation has been imparted upon them. And um, it's, it's just like, a, it's a relationship. You're in a relationship always with this moment. And it's whether you choose to learn from this moment or whether you choose to reject this moment and pretend that 
the, tr the truth is not the truth. And listening is so important too, is one of the things we learn in improv right away, listening, because if I'm just in my head thinking about how I'm gonna respond to what the person is saying, I'm not really listening to them. I'm thinking about, well, I'm gonna, you know, they said something I don't like, I can't hear the rest of what they say because I'm fixing my, you know, retort. Yes, yes, that's very common. And, and you know, it's funny because in, when I was talking with Eckhart Tolle, in the movie, we talked about listening. And he said, you know, you'll notice when a person who's sort of in the moment a little bit more, that they will just take in what you say and then pause because they haven't thought of what to say while you were talking. And so a conversation will go a little bit slower. And he says, you know, it might not seem natural um, because we're used to just thinking of something and then jumping right in there. Um, and he said, but, you know, really it when you know, when you, and when you do talk to Eckhart, that is sort of how he reacts. Like he'll listen to you talk a lot of the time and then take a breath and then respond. And it's very relaxing. It relaxed me when I was with him, you know, just to, uh, to interact like that. I bet it was just an amazing experience. Well, I'm really wishing you the greatest success in your project. And perhaps we can speak again as you're further down the road and have another little chat about this work that you're doing. And I want to thank you for your, obviously you're a sought after person. The phones are ringing. Uh, Western Union's at the door. I can see it. <laughs> well, thank you, Margo. It has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. And um, I love the work that you're doing. I mean, you're talking to some amazing people and um, really promoting the work of applied improvisation. And uh, I'm really grateful for that because it's something that I'm very passionate about that I want a lot more people to know about. And so I really um, wish you all the best with your podcast as well. And I, I'll continue to recommend it to people that I think will like it. Okay, thank you. Well, have a wonderful day and see you soon. Okay, thanks, Margaret. See you soon.